been challenged, that our lives have been changed. I pray tonight that maybe, just possibly, you'd touch the one spiritual nerve that we need touched, uh, area of our life that we need either correction or enlargement uh, so that you can get glory through our lives in a greater way. I pray tonight, God, that your spirit, who the Bible tells us guides us into all truth, would guide us into truth. We thank you, God. I thank you for your word. As Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, he prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that they might be able to comprehend, as he said to the church in Romans. He told them, he says, that you might be able to comprehend at the height of the love of God. God, I pray tonight that your truth would make us freer than what we've ever been for your glory. May we literally experience a freedom that we've not had because it's so important for the world is going to die and they are going to go to hell and people that are in bondage cannot set people free it's hurt people hurt people healed people will heal people so do that work tonight in Jesus name I pray amen as we begin to lay the foundation on Monday night, we begin to, this is where we began each night, and we begin to talk about that all, the warfare that we have in our life is in your mind. Satan attacks the mind. He attacks our minds every day. He comes at us through thoughts. You see the highlight, the word thought. So we're going to talk about those tonight, but that's obviously in the head. He attacks us through knowledge that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Knowledge is in the head. Uh, imaginations, images. We talked about that last night. We covered great detail, a great, good Bible study on the subject of imaginations and images that go through the eye gate and the eye affects the heart and how we must guard our eyes so we save our hearts. And then we talked about Monday night, strongholds. And what is a stronghold? Someone tell me what a stronghold is. Yes, sir? It's a lie. It's a lie that we believe is true. and so true to us that we are in bondage and is under the control of that lie. And Satan will lie to us in three categories. Someone tell me the first category. Yes, sir. He'll lie to you about yourself. Yes, sir. He'll lie to you about others. Yes. Yeah, he'll lie about God. The Bible says he, he shall speak great words against the Most High. He'll lie about God. He's the accuser of the brethren. He'll lie about others. He's the condemner. He lies to us about ourselves. And the first night that we were together, we took truth and combated the lies that we had uh, we shared on the screen there. And so I really enjoyed that session. Last night, it's a little heavy last night, but it is a needed truth that we need to hear. And we could have gone on and on. There's so many different things I could have shared about that. And, uh, but tonight we want to deal with the subject of uh, uh, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And uh, let's see if this is going to work. Is it plugged in? Unplug it and replug it, please. Thank you. This would be a challenge if we don't. I had changed batteries today. There are several ports on there. Pull it out and put in another port. 
We're all right, folks. No, I know it's working. Okay, it shows full charge on the batteries. So, tell you what to do. Someone want to help me on that? Okay, you have to stand there, and I'll. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do to signal you to move on. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Or is it not going to? Okay, it's locked up. It's fine. Uh, do this. Escape. Okay. Maybe that'll fix it. There we go. Thank you. Okay, so the scripture that we're talking about is every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And um, so when we talk about that, here's, here's what the knowledge of God is. You know it, okay? Knowledge, it is the facts and the understanding of the things of God. It's the moral wisdom concerning that which is right and wrong. It is the Bible. So God warns us that what Satan will try to do, he'll try to bring knowledge into us that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. You, you see, sometimes we don't even think that's demonic stuff. That's demonic. When, yeah, Satan is the perpetrator behind all that, okay? He's the one that's promoting knowledge that exalts itself above the Word of God, amen? John says, thy, uh, thy word is truth, okay? John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. There is no other truth, pure truth, except from the Scriptures. You understand that? that in my family, I, I uh, raised my family on 10 scriptural convictions, uh, I, there's a difference between convictions and preferences. Let me just talk briefly about that. A preference is something that you feel very strong about, but it's not something that if you put a gun to my head that I'm going to die for. A conviction is something that I will die for, okay? And so sometimes we say, well, I got a conviction about this. And I don't think we do. I, but there are some things we should have convictions about, amen? And the first conviction in the 10 that we memorize as a family and we promote it in our church is God alone is sovereign, the Bible is his inspired word, and the final authority for my life. And so the Bible is the final authority for your marriage, it's the final authority for everything that you do, amen? It's the final authority for your church, okay? Now I'm going to say this, okay? If there's something in your church constitution that's not biblical, it shouldn't be there. Everything should be underneath the sovereignty of God's word. Amen? And how you operate, I mean, there are things that I read in, in people's constitutions and bylaws, and I'm thinking, that's not even in the Bible. Amen? And so, here's what I'm saying to you, is there's all, there's all kinds of ways the enemy tries to bring in knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Uh, the Colossians warns us, <coughs> Apostle Paul says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You notice what he warns you about. Anything that's not after Christ, anything that is of the world, traditions of men. Uh, we got to be careful that we don't allow traditions to come into our church, okay? Amen? I mean, traditions of men. That's very, 
very important. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 19.27, So cease, my son, to hear instruction that calls it to err from the words of knowledge. In other words, I'm not supposed to be even giving an ear to words that would cause me to err from the words of knowledge. Anything. You know, uh, let me give you one more. The Bible says in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And yet, you know what? Listen to me carefully. Here's what happens all the time. People come to our churches. They have problems. And uh, we don't know what to do with them. And yet we stand up and we preach that the Bible has the answer. Don't we? Is that what we say? The Bible has the answer. Okay. Does the Bible have the answer for everything? Now, you say that. And, and I know you believe that. But if you believe that, I think I'll quote this verse later, is the, the Bible says the righteous studieth the answer. In other words, the righteous people, that's us, amen, we're the righteous ones, we're in Christ, we're righteous, and the righteous people are supposed to study to find the answers for people's problems. And that's not just the preacher, that's not just the guy that comes in preaching to you, it's not just the missionary. The righteous studieth the answer, amen? How about this one here? They that seek the Lord understandeth all things. That is a mind blower, isn't it? They, they, they that seek the Lord understandeth all things. So, so let's just say we have some young man comes down here tonight. He sits down front here, and uh, he's a visitor, and he comes in, and he leans over and sits by you, and he says, you know, uh, I hear voices, okay? And uh, so you move over about three feet, okay? And then you go, and you know, you know what your brain's going to say? Your brain's going to go, he's schizophrenic. See, the world has titled that. Tagged it with a title. Have you ever noticed how a world does this whole psychiatric thing? They give it a title, and then it's almost like that's the healing, the title. Someone says, well, wonder what that, that young boy's problem is. Well, he, he's ADHD. Oh, okay. So, okay, that didn't solve anything. As I come up to me and say, you know, you know, you're looking thinner, and I go, well, don't worry about it, it's cancer. I, I, now I know what it is. That's the answer. Schizophrenic is a title that we've stuck on people. And if we're not careful, people will live in that identity of that, that title. This is going to be out of, you, out of the ballpark here, okay? And, and so, so what happens is, remember what it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So what we do, we send them to the counsel of the ungodly. I am, I am very purposeful in my life, trying to find the answers, biblical answers for people so that they don't have to go to the ungodly counsels of this world. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so he, he says that there's knowledge that's going to come in try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. It's humanism, if you want to put it in a nutshell. You know what I mean? And, and it's taught to us all the time through maybe some uh, television sitcom. Uh, you go in, you sit down, watch a sitcom, a, a comedy sitcom with your family, and if you'll notice this in these sitcoms, is mom and the teenage boy and the teenage daughter are kind of pit themselves against dad. You know what I'm talking about. And, and so uh, they'll be in the living room. The show will start off, and they'll be in the living room, and the son will be saying what he's going to do that night, and the daughter will be saying what she's going to do that night, and mom is saying, well, don't worry about it. I won't tell dad. You, you know what that's doing? Do you understand what that's doing? And then dad comes in the back door, and he's about six foot six, and he's got a little lunchbox like a four-year-old, and he carries it like this, like a, like a real doofy guy, you know what I mean? And when he comes in, as soon as he comes through the door, they push a button on the TV show, and, and you hear laughing. Why are they laughing at the dad? Because the world laughs at dads. 
And, and he comes in, and the, and the wife rolls her eyes at him when he says something. The kids roll their eyes, and what's that about? That is taking the headship off of daddies. That's saying all daddies are stupid. All dads are dumb. And they don't know what they're talking about. And that is promoted in our world's educational system. You understand me? I mean, it was just not too long ago. <clears throat> it, um, a man took his daughter to kindergarten. Uh, he was a um, wealthy man, took his daughter, five years old, dropped her off in front, said, I'll pick you up at noon. He came back by, she came out, she had a little bag in her hand and had two little books inside there. And she, he said, what's in the bag? Well, the two books that the teacher said that you and mommy have to read to me. And so he pulled one out and said, why Sally has two moms. And the other book, why, why Johnny's dad's boyfriend lives with them. And so you understand what the promotion is there, don't you? Amen? The, the gay agenda. And so he got out of the car, went back in, told the lady at the desk at the school, said, I'm sorry, but we won't read that. That violates our scriptural principles. And she said, well, your daughter cannot uh, graduate from kindergarten unless those books are read to her. He said, well, I'll take, I, I need to see the principal. He went to see the principal. The principal said the same thing. He said, the only way you can get out of this happening is you go before the school board. He went to a school board meeting, and they said that, that he has to read those. He took it all the way to the Supreme Court in his state. All the way to the Supreme Court, and here's what they ruled, that mom and dads do not have the ability to make moral and social decisions for their children. Now that is what we're talking about. That is, see, sometimes we think about demonic activity as this wild and crazy stuff. Okay, he comes at us through lies, he comes at us through imaginations, right? And he'll come at us through knowledge that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And so he says, that stop listening to instruction that will cause you to err from the words of knowledge. This knowledge, uh, Proverbs says, I quoted it earlier, the, the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. We've got to become students of the word. I'm talking about all you men, become men of the word. I'm talking about where you, you and ladies in here, ladies of the word. Uh, how many of you have ever had somebody uh, in your life, you thought, you know what, that person, I know they walk in the Word, I know the anointing of God is on their life, oh my goodness, you know, I, if I could be like something, I'd like to be like them. Is somebody in your mind right now, raise your hand if you have anybody like that. Look, get it up there, and bend down the elbow, okay, got anybody, okay, leave it there, leave it there, leave it there, stay there. Okay, now stay, look at me, okay, then be that person. Just go ahead. You say, I want to be like them? Go ahead and do it. You have the capacity to do it with the mind of Christ. Amen? You have the capacity to do it with the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says the Spirit will come, and He will guide us into all truth. Isn't that wonderful? He'll guide us into all truth. And so, as God's children, we need to be people of the Word and people that have answers for this world. There are four sources of wisdom. The Bible says it in James chapter 3, verse 15. It says, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. There is that which is wisdom that is devilish. That is demonically empowered wisdom, okay? And then there's sensual, and obviously we understand that. That is a lustful, uh, sensual, uh, greedy type of wisdom. And then there's the earthly. That is what we would say is man's wisdom in, a, in, in uh, like um, that would... Uh, 
over into evolution and it would lean over into uh, abortion and, and that type of stuff. But then there's that which comes from above. And listen to me carefully. You know what's wonderful about this wisdom that comes from above? God's Word says this, if any of you lack wisdom, wait a second, what is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. That's real wisdom. In other words, if you could only get, get in so tuned to the Spirit of God that He could reveal to you so you could see the things of your life and see the lives of others from God's perspective, then you know what you can do. When you see things from God's perspective, then you're able to give clear, godly wisdom to people around you. Amen? Without seeing things from God's perspective, you're only going to see it from a human standpoint. And without seeing it from God's perspective, your trial looks terrible. But when you see it from God's perspective, amen, then we know that all things work out together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Amen? And so we, so we see that there's this wisdom. And God says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give to all men, all men. I'm talking to these young children, uh, you that are, uh, I'm going to say old, but anyway, you, you're older people, okay? Uh, he gives wisdom, he says, gives to all men liberally, and liberally means abundantly, without end to it, amen? I give to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. It means that there's not, upbraideth not means there's not one question you can ask God, that God is going to say, uh, that's just a dumb question. He doesn't make fun of you for your questions. Um, and so we got to get back to God's source of wisdom. There's a lot of humanism in our Baptist churches. Amen. I'm telling you, it's crept in. It's, I see it in churches everywhere I go. And, and there are things that we do that are not biblical. And we've got to, if anything ought to be biblical, it ought to be the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, we got to beware. The enemy will come. Now let me give you a little uh, story here in the scriptures about how that knowledge tried to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Let me get a little water here. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said this, he said, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is a tremendous proclamation that he just made there, amen? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so it goes on to say, And Jesus answered and said unto Peter there, He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now what's that all about? What that is, see if I can teach you this in a short time here, is we have what we call the Logos of the Word. The Logos is the printed Word. You understand that? That's what it means, Logos, okay? It's the printed Word. But then what you have, you have what's called the Rhema. Have anybody ever heard this before? The Rhema of the Word, okay? The Rhema is when the Spirit of God takes the Logos it jumps off into your, into your you know what I'm talking about. When you're reading the Bible, all of a sudden it just goes crazy, Amen. You know, it's like, oh, oh, I can't, do you see that? You've read it a thousand times and you see something, amen? That's the rhema of the word coming off the pages into your heart. 
And so Jesus tells Peter, he said, Peter, look, flesh and blood didn't show you that. That was a word from God. You ever hear that terminology, getting a word from God? Okay, that's a big deal around my place, to get a word from God, okay? And so Peter hears from heaven. He says, look, no one said this up to this point. Peter says, thou art the son of the living God. And Jesus says, look, heaven showed you that. That was not flesh and blood, okay? And then, and I say also indeed that thou art Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, okay? And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus Christ. And now watch this. Now from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. So now Jesus, right after Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus begins to reveal to them that he is going to go die, that the the Jews and the Roman Empire are going to get him. They're going to take him, he's going to die, and that he's going to raise on the third day. Well, here's what happens is, then Peter took Jesus, took him, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And Jesus And he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. Now watch this. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, just a few minutes ago, he was savoring the things that were of God and not of men. Now he's savoring the things of man and not of God. Do you see that? In other words, here's my point. Is you can actually, (coughs) a preacher can speak truth and, 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 if he's trained inappropriately, he can speak truth sometimes, but because of improper training, he might say things that are not really lining up with Scripture. See, see, he, Peter tried to take knowledge, and where did that knowledge come from? Jesus didn't rebuke Peter, did he? he? He said, the source of your first wisdom came from heaven. The source of your second wisdom came from hell. Amen? Came from God and came from Satan. And so it's like this, you know, all of a sudden there's a troubled couple in the church and uh, the husband is not doing right. I don't mean to pick on men right now, but anyway, I'll do that. For, I'll come back and get the ladies later, okay? But, but you know, the trouble's not, the husband's not doing right. And then he quits coming to church. And then he gets, he's, he's being, he's kind of angry. And uh, he's staying out all night. He's not coming home. And, and then the wife goes to church. She sits down, sits down, talks with a, a, a lady and says, well, we're going to pray. We're going to trust God to get your husband right. Isn't that what we should do? Amen. Sure, that's what we should do. And then a month goes by. Then two months go by. Then three months go by. And then a year goes by. And then two years goes by. And guess what? Guess what we start to do? We begin to waver in our commitment to praying him home. And all of a sudden, that godly lady says, you know what? It may be just that you ought to divorce him. Now, before they were speaking from heaven, now they're speaking from hell. Listen, this is, the, this, is, this is one of the great attacks in the Baptist churches. Is God is so God, folks. He can turn anybody around. And he's not on a time frame. He doesn't have a watch. Amen? We had a couple in our church that, that I, I just broke my heart. He, uh, he just wouldn't straighten up. He was doing some of the things like I was talking about. His wife uh, called me up. I was 
flying out on Monday. She called me on Sunday, and she said, look, I'm leaving him. That's it. I said, well, will you do me a favor? Don't leave until Thursday. Let me come back into town, and we'll get together, and we're going to talk before you do this. Well, anyway, she didn't do what I said. She went ahead and left, and she was gone for seven years. Now, it rattled his world, and he came to me and began to say, you know, I, I lost her. I said, well, are you willing to pray with me and trust that God will bring him home, her home? And he said, yes, I am. And so that's what we did. Seven years later, she called up and said, I want to come home, and we remarried them. Now, folks, what brings more glory to God? So, but see, here's our problem. We live on a time frame. We want God to do, we, we want God to be like McDonald's. Order it here and pick it up there. Amen? And, and, and all of that is humanism. And this deal with Peter is he is speaking from God, now he's speaking from Satan. And your friends can do that. So what you have to do is you have to know the word. Amen? You have to know the word. So anyway. There's knowledge that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God that Satan will try to bring into our lives and it will deter us away from truth. Amen? Now, it, to create a computer as powerful as the human brain, it would be the size of Texas and it would be 100 stories tall. Isn't that crazy? You said, wait a second, you just don't understand. You don't understand my, my brain. Okay? <laughs> Listen, that, the truth is, this has been blown out of, this is not blown out of proportion. This is a very conservative end of this, okay? In fact, it'd be, it'd be taller than that and bigger than that. But, you know, I don't think we need to make it any bigger than that. Amen? What your brain does, your brain is incredible. Everything that you see goes through the eye gate, goes into your memory banks. Everything you see. Okay? You know, this laptop of mine, it has a lot of features. I know how to do PowerPoint and Word. Okay? That's it. I, I, I just figured out how to email not too long ago. I got an email address, and I found that people were emailing me. I didn't even know it. I write emails and never send them, thinking I sent them. I forgot that you have to push send. Amen. You ever do that? I do a lot of texting that way. I get on my staff. I said, look, I text every one of you guys. I told you to be here 15 minutes early. I go, we didn't get it. I said, well, about my phone. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't send it. <laughs> I figured if you type it, it should go. Amen. But your brain is an incredible machine, if you want to put it that way. It is, it, uh, again, I had no way I could get into the, how many uh, uh, electrons and neutrons and, and, and the connections that are going on. But your brain, in, in just seconds, in seconds, it's making different connections. I mean, I'm talking about up to half a million connections all day long, instantaneously going on. See, every move that I make, I don't think about that. Did you know that? Amen. I don't think about, you know, doing this, okay? It just does that. Amen? What is that? My brain is, my brain is so fast, it synchronizes my, my words with my hands, and you don't have to think about it. That's how powerful your brain is. And that's just a little bit of what the brain can do. It's incredible how big your brain really is. So it brings us to this, this battle in the brain, this battle in the brain concerning lies of Satan, imaginations, and knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then we begin to get into uh, thoughts that need to be brought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. 
The Bible tells us that. And the word thoughts there, literally, all it means is just the two words, mental perception. In other words, the enemy wants you to have a wrong perception. We're going to build on that, okay, in just a minute here. A wrong perception, a mental, wrong mental perception. So what we have to do in this whole brain thing is this. Um, your brain, what you do, let's see if I can d develop this, is your brain's like this, and you begin to, let's say you, you, you um, uh, maybe you were raised in a dysfunctional home, okay? Got it? And so when you think about home or mom or dad, uh, you have thought grooves concerning subjects, thought patterns that are created in your brain. And when you think about discipline, children, if, if you were abused, discipline, abused, you think about that. That's what you think about. And what that does, it keeps you from being able to discipline your children the way they need to be disciplined because you think about discipline, you think about in those thought grooves that were created in your brain. Does that make sense? Every subject is like that, okay? If you've seen a bad marriage, you know, there are a lot of people that won't get married and they'll say, why would I get married? I, I don't, you know, my mom and dad, I don't want to live like my mom and dad lived. What is that? They got a thought groove about marriage. You know what we got to do? We've got to get the right thoughts created in our brain, amen? The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, you know the verse 1 and 2, and it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of the mind, okay? And I've spent a lot of time renewing my mind with the Scriptures, uh, the Bible talks about the washing of the water by the Word. My mind has been washed by the Word, uh, and it's constantly being washed. I, I go to the Word, I let it wash my mind. Listen, you are not going to survive the battles coming if you don't get what I'm saying right here and learn how to uh, you be in charge of your brain instead of your brain being in charge of you. So uh, we must learn to bring every thought into captivity under the obedience of Christ. So here's how it would work. <coughs> Let's pretend right here, right over here is a cage, okay? It's a, uh, like a jail. And above the jail, it says Marvin Smith's thoughts, okay? And I'm over here, and I'm going through my day, and uh, I see something that, that uh, I, I didn't plan on seeing, but I saw it. The image went through the eye gate, and now I have a decision. Everybody understand that, right? I have a decision. What am I going to do with that thought? Well, that thought has to be dealt with. Now, you say, this is work. I understand. It's work. It's being, that's why Peter said, be sober, be alert. That's what that means. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's what he does. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he starts in the mind. And so uh, uh, something goes through my eye gate that's inappropriate for me to see. And so I have to deal with that. So immediately, here's what I do. I'll go, now God, I, I can't take a second look at that. And I'm not going to take a second look at that. I choose God's grace above my temptation. Amen. And so God's grace is sufficient. Amen. For when we're weak, he's strong. Amen. And so I choose God's grace, and, I, and I, go, I do this. I say, God, I take that thought right now, and I put it into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. I bring it to God, bring it to Christ, and ask him to lock that thought up. That's how I work. That's how I operate. I bring thoughts to God into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. When I have a, a, a bad thought about somebody in my church, or I have a bad thought about somebody out of my church, 
or I have a bad thought about God, or I have a bad thought about myself. Listen, listen to me. I am not going to spend my life beating up people in my mind, beating up God in my mind, or beating up me in my mind. Amen? See what the devil will do. He'll give you a ball bat, put it in your hand, say, beat your brains out. And we stand around going, I just don't know what's wrong with me, you know? Listen, uh, yeah, the thoughts, you are, there's one thing that you are in charge of. That's your mind. Now, everything on the outside of me is my public world. I'm not in charge of my public world. I am in charge of my private world. And you're in charge of yours. And when we stand before God, we will not give an account for our public world. We're going to give an account for our private world. Amen? And that's why it's so important that we learn to take these thoughts into captivity under the obedience of Christ. And so, I will, that's the process I do when these thoughts come into my mind. Now, 3 John 1 and 2, 1 2 says this. It says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul, which is your soul, is your mind, your emotions, prospereth. So let's read it as it says in the Bible. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So, so there's a direct link between the health of my body and the health of my mind and my emotions. You got me? I might have talked a little bit about this last time I was here. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I, I, sometimes I don't get very far in these conferences, okay? So we're going to try to tackle this. I didn't the last church I was at. I didn't even get here, okay? So uh, you're faster learners, okay? So there's a direct connection To my, from about my physical health, it's a direct connection concerning my mental and emotional health. Now, everywhere we go, we hear about mental health, right? Right? And people are, are all kinds of mental, emotional disturbance going on, okay? And so, there's, because we understand that there's a direct connection, so if we could get the mind right, and the, then the emotions will come in, that our bodies will be healthier. Okay? You understand? Does that make sense? So the result of losing the battle in our minds from imaginations, from strongholds, from knowledge, and from thoughts that are out of control, and when this thing gets out of control, you, you can go crazy. Amen? When I got in my depressive state a few years ago, it scared me. I, I didn't know if I was coming out. There were days I would get up and say, is this how I'm going to live the rest of my life? It scared me. And it, was, it was because of, I used three words, it was, it was getting up and walking, worshiping, and listening to the Word. I could not read the Bible at that time. I could not see when I look at it, it all blurred to me. I had just listened to the Bible. But it got so dark. And you know what I noticed? I lost 34 pounds in 30 days. I wrote a book on how to lose weight the other day. <laughs> I lost 34 pounds in 30 days. My church got worried about me. I had people spreading rumors I had cancer wasn't any of that. As I was physically falling apart because I was losing it mentally and emotionally. Okay? So here's how this works. When you lose the battle in your mind, 
then what begins to take place is this. You begin to lose the battle in your emotions. When your thoughts aren't right, when images are in your mind from pornography, from wrong television viewing, when you have uh, uh, lies going off in your head about God, others, and yourself, when you have uh, 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 knowledge constantly coming in that's all exalting itself against the knowledge of God, and when you have thoughts that you know are not appropriate and they're not being taken care of immediately, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to start losing it here. Now you're going to start losing it in your emotions. And these are the things that begin to take place in people's lives. They begin to have problems with anxiety. Everywhere I go, we, we deal with people with anxiety. Now, if you have anxiety, I'm not kicking you. I understand it because remember what I just said. I was anxious about everything. All the what-ifs of life were driving me crazy at that time. It was in 2013 and 2014. I had two bouts of it. And, and I will never want to go back there again. I've, I've, I am fortifying my life constantly to keep myself out of the woods. You know what I'm saying? But anxiety sets in. And we have more people that have anxiety attacks than ever before in this country. It's not like other countries. Most countries don't have the problems that we have emotionally and mentally. And not only anxiety, but uh, high levels of lust because of pornography. Inappropriate lust. And uh, anger, high levels of anger. People are, are angry. Uh, more than ever before, people are angry. And they're hurting people. <coughs> and uh, anger is not supposed to be in our lives. Amen. Let's just go ahead and agree to that, okay? The Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And it's talking about, you know why he says, neither, Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. means this. You're never, ever, ever supposed to go to bed angry at your wife or your husband or your children. Never, never. It's outlawed in the kingdom of God to be angry with someone after when you're going to bed. It's supposed to be resolved in your heart with them before you ever lay your head down because the next verse says, neither give place to the devil. And then later on that, ver that chapter, it goes, let us lay aside all wrath and bitterness and anger and, and malice and evil speakings. And, and so we're to lay aside all, all, it says, all anger, all wrath. All, uh, James 1.20 says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Anytime that you show wrath, you cannot do the righteousness of God. Hello? Anytime you, you, you go over the top and you begin to scream and yell, you are not doing the people that you're trying to help uh, any favor. Wrath is not of God. You say, well, God is right. Listen to me. All the wrath of God came upon Jesus, so now we're no longer the children of wrath. Do you hear me? And my children should not be under my wrath, my anger. And my wife should not experience my anger or my wrath. We, we're out of control. And the Bible says in verse 32, right after that, it says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Isn't that powerful? Huh? It's powerful. And so... Anger comes in. When we lose the battle in our mind, then what happens is anger begins to come up inside of us. And then envy, and we begin to be envious. We begin to have uh, covetousness in our heart and, and uh, disturbing dreams and thoughts. 
we, we begin to have dreams that are out of control and thoughts that are out of control. I remember working with a couple, a pastor and his wife, and they came to me, they want their 15-year-old daughter to talk to me, and, they, um, and she would not do that. So they came anyway to learn, and I'm talking to them. I said, uh, now, do you ever view uh, horror films and, and t- fearful movies? And they laughed and said, yeah, we love them. And I said, oh, you, do you understand that that that's, could be what your daughter's problem is? As she has these terrible, terrible dreams. Uh, my daughter is wired. She can't handle any of that stuff. She, she can't handle any of it. I'm telling you, any of it at all. And I'm glad that this, she's that way, that God made her that way. My son, on the other hand, he cannot look at any inappropriate material without throwing up. Isn't that a unique thing? I mean, he'll throw up if you see something uh, of... of uh, in modest nature. I said, man, God wired you kids pretty good there, amen? So, but you know what? We have disturbing dreams and thoughts. It might be that you're right in the middle of church. You're right having church. You're singing How Great Thou Art, or The Old Rugged Cross, or Amazing Grace, and Victory in Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the thought goes through your mind about somebody, inappropriate thought, and you go, where in the world did that thought come from? You hear me? Right in the middle of church. And he comes in like a, and, and the fiery darts of Satan go into the mind. And because why? Because you know why somewhere in the past you've lost the battle in your mind. Bitterness begins to set in. And God's people are not supposed to be bitter people. Amen? Come on. Amen? Never supposed to have bitterness. Bitterness is what? It's this. Drinking poison. You hope the other person dies. That's what bitterness is. And some people live in bitterness. And the Bible says, what does it do? It springs up. A root of bitterness will spring up and trouble you and defile many people thereby. And nobody will want to be around you when you're old. They won't come and see you. No one wants to go see a bitter grandma or a bitter grandpa. Amen? They might do it just out of, you know, sheer loyalty to the family. You know what? This bitterness thing's got to be out of our heart. We've got to let everybody off the hook that's ever offended us. Can I allow bitterness in our lives? And then fears. God's not given us a spirit of fear, the Bible says. Fears about what? Fears of the unknown. Fears of the what ifs. The Bible says, fret not. Fret not thyself. And here's what we do. We fret and we worry. Amen? Fears. Hatred sets in. We can begin to hate it's amazing how many people who can't have been to my church had got help at my church, and then they began to dabble into things they shouldn't be dabbling into. You understand what I'm saying? And so me as the pastor, the shepherd, I, I, I see this, and so I prepare messages to help, help fight the battle, amen? And then I have, I've had a man come to me one day in the hallway. He goes, he goes you, you, you just, you're preaching at me, aren't you? You're just trying to you're picking on me. He goes, and I, I go, wait a second, wait a second. Are you on this side of the pulpit? He said, yeah. Then I'm preaching to everybody. <coughs> Amen? <coughs> but he, he fell out. Never came back. Hatred, because you lose the battle in the mind. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation levels get so high, you begin to hate anybody that triggers that. And then doubts. Doubt that you're saved. Doubt that God's going to come through. Doubt that God is faithful. Perversion. Suicidal thoughts. 
There's several different types of suicide. There's what we call marital suicide. That means I'm walking out on him or I'm walking out on her. I'm putting an end, to a death to this marriage. And then what we have is physical suicide. We understand what that is. That is an all-time epidemic right now. And then we have the other type of suicide is spiritual suicide. I'm out of here. I'm not coming back to church. I'm tired of it. If this is what it is, I'm out of here. You hear what I'm saying? And, there's all kind, and then mental suicide is I'll go get drunk. Every time you get drunk, you kill 10,000 brain cells. That's what that high is all about. The alcohol kills 10,000 brain cells. And so we, we, we literally choose to go into this direction. It could be uh, uh, cutting. Uh, we deal with a lot of cutters. Burner, people burning themselves. Um, anyway, discontentment. Being discontent. We live in the most prosperous country in the world. And yet we're the most discontent people in the world. We're, we're discontent with our wife. We're discontent with our husband. We're discontent with our church. We're discontent with our pastor. We're discontent with, with uh, our car. We're discontent with our house. And folks, it is so sad that we're so discontented. Amen? Did you know God doesn't owe you all this stuff? All he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. That all these things should be added unto you is not a car. It's not a nice suit. That is not, it was just what? It was bread and water. That's all those things. Search the scriptures out. It's right before that. And so we're discontent. Why are we discontent? Because we watch all these commercials and their distractions from what we have. We're looking at things that comparing what they look like compared to what someone else looks like. You with me? And listen to me carefully. It won't be long. You will not be ravished after your own wife because of discontentment. It's demonic activity. Unforgiveness. I, I, folks, listen to me. I'm, I don't have much time, but let me say this to you. Unforgiveness is a principle from the kingdom of darkness. It's not a principle of the kingdom of light. When you were in the world, you were of the world, you could operate according to unforgiveness and bitterness. But once you got saved, what was it that brought you into the kingdom? The forgiveness of God. Amen? And that means what? Once you left there, you were never supposed to go back to unforgiveness again. In other words, if God the Father, the holy, just God, can forgive a sinner of all their sins, then you're supposed to, as a sinner, be able to forgive another sinner of their sins, all their sins. If you have anything in your heart toward anybody tonight, anything, then you are not operating within the law of the kingdom of God. And then we, we see insecurity, feeling insecure. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do that. And guilt begins to pile up from these moral failings, that we're, these places that we're allowing our mind to go to. Guilt begins to pile up inside of us. And listen to me carefully. Guilt is something that you're not wired to handle large doses of. In fact, it's supposed to be just a trigger. Hear me. It's just supposed to be a trigger in your heart. In other words, it's supposed to be just a prick, a guilt, and that you what? That will cause you to what? Repent and look to the cross, and God can lift you up out of your sin. But when you resist 
repentance, then it, and what happens, what's the, the difference here, is you have repentance, uh, I'm sorry, you have guilt, it brings you, it pricks your heart, you admit it, you repent, and you're convicted and brings you up out of your sin. Satan will bring guilt, and when you don't respond through repentance, then the next thing he does is he'll bring condemnation, and condemnation will hold you down in your sin, and he'll tell you you're never getting up out of here, and there's no victory out of this stuff, and you might as well just lay down and let, let the enemy have, the, have, have his way in your life, and, and it, it will keep you. That's the difference between Peter and Judas. Peter repented unto life, and Judas repented unto death. Peter repented unto God by responding properly to the sin of denying the Lord. Judas denied the Lord just like Peter did, but he responded inappropriately. He, was, he repented because he was sorry that he got caught. Peter repented because he understood it was a sin against God. And then we have condemnation, high levels of condemnation. I mean, if you're looking at stuff on the internet, you know you're not supposed to, and you come to church, it won't be long. That condemnation builds up and builds up and builds up. And if it isn't long before, you know what you do? You kind of sidestep the preacher. You won't go around him. You won't look him in the eye. You won't, if, if he says, I'd like to talk to you, you're not going to do that. Because of what? The spirit of condemnation in our life. And then we see that isolation begins to set in. We begin to want to isolate from people. You with me? And, and, and that's a, ta a tactic of Satan. Is when you begin to think, you know what? I, I'm not going to go to the men's meeting. I'm not going to go to the ladies' meeting. I'm not going to go to the youth department. I'm not going I'm to go there. I'm, a, I'm not going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kind of slip in late in church, sit maybe where no one notices, and so we can get out of there as quick as we can. Isolation begins to set in. Is it long begin to find yourself isolated in your computer? Isolated on your phone? Isolated in some sort of iPad or some device, you begin to find yourself isolation. You ever see one of the safari movies where the lions are sitting in the weeds, the gazelle are in the field, and the lions come to the edge of the weeds, and then they dart out of the weeds, and that lion is chasing this large 200 herd of gazelle, and they're running. And, and they got this plane, they're kind of, you know, f filming it from above. And, and the lion gets between the herd and one gazelle. And what does he do? He isolates it away from the rest of the herd. And the herd goes that way, and this, this uh, gazelle is toast. You see what I'm saying? Anytime you begin to want to be isolated, you want to withdraw fellowship, you don't want to be around, uh, you know, um, teenagers, now, you know, parents understand this. It, because we often people say, well, that's just teenagers. Okay, quit saying that stuff. That's humanism. That's not right. It, it's, you know, like, okay, well, now they're 14, 15, 16. They just want to go up in the room and shut the door. And that's their teenagers. That's what they do. Let me tell you, that's not true. That's, they're isolating. They should want to be around the family. Amen? I mean, I, I remember my kids growing up. I mean, we would, we, we, you know, I... They would come in, sit in my bed to one or two o'clock in the morning and talk to me. And, and we'd sing. We'd sing. And, and my wife would go, Marvin, these kids need to go to bed. 
uh, they're not going to do very good in school. And I said, I, I don't ever want to run my kids off. And we would sit and talk. My daughter always had two questions, two more questions. I want to ask you two more questions. And, and uh, it was such a delight to have those kids want to be around me, amen? And my son, whenever in Iowa, you can get your permit when you're 14, driver's permit. And uh, so my, both my kids got their permit when they were 14. And then your driver's license when you're 16, obviously. But you know what? Uh, my son turned 16, didn't get his driver's license. And uh, he had a, a job at Kmart. And, I, and so I'd pick him up, and I'd take him to Kmart, and I'd drop him off. And I, he'd get off at 1130 at night. I'd go pick him up. And then he was getting married soon, and, and he didn't have a driver's license. I said, son, I think it's kind of weird to be married. You got a marriage license, but you don't have a driver's license. Don't you think you all get a driver's license soon? And he said, well, Dad, I didn't get it on purpose. I said, why? He said, because you see, is, is because I knew if I got my driver's license, you'd just give me the keys to the car, and that drive from the house to Kmart and Kmart back home at night, I would miss that time with you. That's when you got the heart of your children. Don't you want the heart of your children? Amen? And we worked really, really uh, diligent to be able to keep the heart of our kids. And if we saw any isolation, we got into the world. Okay? And we have more isolation now than ever before because of the devices that, are going, that they have. Depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. We have all these emotional failings because we lost the battle in our mind. Now, when you lose the battle in your mind, you're going to lose the battle in your emotions. It isn't long you're going to start losing it physically. It's going to start showing up by nausea, being a lot of acids in your stomach because of uh, uh, stomach problems, colitis, colon problems begin to take place, uh, and then uh, ulcers, bleeding ulcers. All of that is, a, is from, all, from pressure, uh, stress, Related and losing the battle in your emotions because why you lost the battle in your mind through strongholds, through imaginations, through knowledge that exalts itself, and through thoughts that have not been taken into captivity. Does that make sense to you? And then we have cancer. And they're, they're, they're really they're telling us now that, that most cancer is a result of people that have, have harbored bitterness and unforgiveness. Everybody in here has cancer cells in your body. Isn't that encouraging? Huh? But they're, they're probably dormant. But you allow the chemical balance of your system to get off. That's the best way I can tell you so you understand. That you have a, your body is balanced chemically. And what gets you off is stress. That causes inappropriate uh, chemicals, overdosing, your body trying to handle the stress. And what it does is over, it puts acids in your system that uh, causes cancer cells to, to come alive inside of you. That's the best way I can tell you. And so much of the cancer that we see today is due to the fact that God's people have not kept their mind right. Not all cancer, but some cancer. I'm not, I can't say all. And then hives. I remember I was preaching in Arkansas, this church, and this young lady sitting on the way back. There's hundreds and hundreds of teenagers there. This way back in 2004. And I brought up the subject of hives and how that when you lose the battle in your mind, you lose the battle in your emotions, and your body can respond to that through hives. And when the meeting got over, this, this uh, young lady, blonde, almost white hair blonde, young lady, about 20, 25 years old, came forward. She's standing over here, and she said, can I speak to you? And I came down, 
And I said, how can I help you? She said, <coughs> you said hives could be a result of demonic activity in my life because I lost the battle in my mind and my emotions, and therefore I got hives. And I said, yeah, that's what I said. And I said, what's your story? She said, well, I, I get hives every time I play the church piano at our church. My dad's the pastor, and I play the piano. And every time I play it, play it, I start hives start coming up on my skin. And I mean large red whelps. It goes up my arms, it goes up my neck. You can see it on my face. It gets in my, in my scalp. You can see it in there. And when I quit playing the piano, it, it, they go away. And, um, and so she said, so what's going on? I said, well, let me ask you this. How long have you been having this problem with hives? She said, about four years. I said, four years. So what happened four years ago that has caused you to be so bitter? And she said, how did you know? I said, it didn't, I, the dots are connecting for me as you're talking to me. She said, four years ago, my mom, the pastor's wife, got cancer. My mom and my dad and I, we trusted God to heal my mom. And God, and then she went, God didn't heal her. I said, okay, you're mad about it. Yes, I'm mad. Every time I see my dad up there alone, I'm mad about it. And I said, would you like to get rid of the hives? She said, absolutely. I said, okay. I said, I want you to turn around and face that wall. She said, what? I said, turn around and face that wall. We was over on the side of the auditorium. Wall like, like here. And she's, she turned and faced it. I said, close your eyes. <clears throat> she said, what? I said, close your eyes. She closed her eyes. I said, now that wall represents the past. It represents four years ago when your mom died. Has your mom passed away? Yes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out and grab your mother in the past and embrace her right now in your mind. And tell your mother, I miss you. I love you. I wish you were here. Now, turn all the way around to me and put your mother in your future. And she did that. She went like this. I said, now, was your mother saved? Yes. So your mother went to heaven? Yes. So did God heal her? Yes. Your mother's not really dead then. Right. So really, it's not, she's not in your past. She's in your future, honey. See, what Satan will do, he'll always make you look at something in the past and cause you to be hung up on baby being molested or some terrible thing happened, maybe abandoned by a parent. And, and, and this young lady, as she turned around and put her mother in the future, this really happened. She went down to her knees in that auditorium, raised her hands up, and began to worship the Lord. And she began to say, my mama was healed. She's been healed. She's been, she could only see that God didn't come through and her mom was dead. And that's what he does, Satan does. He works on your past because... He cannot predict your future. <clears throat> so this, her body would have chemical. She said, but why is it when I play the piano? I said, I know why when you play the piano. is because you're playing for the God that killed your mom. And you're mad at it. And I said, let me tell you something, honey. From now on, I said, remember this. You used to play the piano really melodiously. I did not know that for sure. I'm just, I believe that to be so. Now you kind of hit the keys a little stronger. I said, now it's going to go back to melodious sound. 
And that's exactly what happened. When she played for the Lord, when, when her bitterness was there, she'd kind of pound it. It was on a Friday night. I finished the meeting there. I flew home on Saturday. I was, church got done on Sunday night, and I left the platform. I have a door like right here on my platform. It goes straight to my office, so when I preach a bad message, I don't have to face anybody. And so I, that night, I went to that door right there. I went back in my office, and the phone was ringing. And I picked up the phone and said, Harvest Baptist Ministries, Pastor Smith speaking. And this is the truth. This is what came over the phone. Just this. No hives! I said, oh, I know you. You're the girl in Arkansas. She said, no hives this morning. No hives tonight. And she hadn't had hives since. Because she had lost the battle in her mind over bitterness toward her. And the emotional torment of bitterness caused her to begin to have hives. Headaches. I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about your headaches. <laughs> Literal headaches. Everybody's taking drugs for headaches nowadays. And uh, I understand if you've got to take a, a, a leave or ibuprofen or something. But listen, is, is a lot of the problems with our headaches is because we lost the battle in our mind, our emotions. Uh, catatonic, it's zoning out, like some of y'all have been doing for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> it's that type of mentality, you know, i got problems, so I'm just going to go to bed. And, and I'm, I always got to sleep and, and try to get away from it. Insomnia sets in. Insomnia is, a, is a, an epidemic among God's people in, in America here. You've seen the commercial maybe where the lady is laying in bed. Her hair is beautiful, makeup's on. She's laying there, a blue light coming through the window, supposedly the moon. I've never seen quite a blue light like that. She's actually sleeping with a grin on her face. And the voice on the commercial goes like this. Would you like to sleep like this? And you're in your living room and you go, yes. Because <laughs> you don't want to wake her up, you know. And then the next scene, the, oh, and all of a sudden this butterfly comes through the window. And it comes, yeah, comes over and lands on her and says, you know, she took this and this side while she's sleeping. And the next scene is she's sitting up in bed. Her hair's done, her makeup's just like it was when she went to bed. And she's sitting up in bed and she's going, and then he goes, would you like to wake up like this? And you're going, yes! <laughs> right? Have you ever, you ever noticed, right, at close to the end of the commercial, they'll go, but now if you take this, you might get bleeding ulcers, your heart may fail, your kidneys may start failing, you may, if you lose your breath and call 911, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, like 42 things going to go bad if you take the medication. You're going to sleep all right. It's going to be a permanent nap. <laughs> and by the way, it's all false advertisement. It really is. Because, uh, you know, I bought some of that for my wife. I had her do her makeup before she went to bed and her hair. And the next morning she got up, she did not look like that lady. <laughs> and that's why I bought the pill. I thought, man, my wife could look like that when she wakes up. That'd be great. <laughs> Insomnia. Uh, Speech disorders. I've had people come to me with speech disorders. A, a dad abandoned this boy when he was eight years old. He stuttered all of his life until he was able to forgive his dad. And the moment while he's praying to forgive his dad, the stuttering stops. Breathing disorders, eating disorders, and breathing disorders. Um, breathing disorders, I, I've had young men, a young man in my home, and he, he would 
get anxious and then his lungs would be into going anxiety and then he'd take the inhaler and and breathe that in and I'd say to him why are you doing that he says the doctor said I need that I said would you like to get rid of that he said yes I said so I noticed when Sutton such talks to you that and it was one of the staff men I said does that remind you of your dad he goes yes his voice is just like my dad's and you got bitterness toward your dad don't you yes he forgave his dad right there in, in, the, in the home. And you know what? The next time he heard that man's voice, no more anxiety. Because he'd lost the battle in his mind with his dad. His emotions were tore up. Anything that triggered like his dad would cause him to go into anxiety. Dizziness, um, vision loss. Um, I have so many different things I want to tell you. You know, I remember a, a particular guy came to my office and he was blind. I'm telling you, he had a white stick and sunglasses. And his two brothers, they drove 14 hours to see me. Came in, sat down. I'm sitting there, and, and I said, you've been to the doctor, I would suppose, yeah. And he says, my eyes are healthy. Did you know your eyes can be healthy, and yet you can't see? And, and I'll tell you in just a minute what that is. But anyway, I said to him, I said, so when did you start going blind? He told me a number of years ago, four or five years ago. I said, so what happened four or five years ago? And his wife had had a, a, a relationship outside of his relationship. And he got bitter toward her and uh, mad. And bitterness is like a root. Remember that? It's a root. And what does roots do? It wraps around things. And roots will kill whatever it wraps around. Understand this. All bitterness. You can write this down. This would be a good one. All bitterness will attack some nervous system in you. In his case, it was his optical nerves. It, it wrapped, the bitterness literally just was wrapping around, causing the life to go out of his, the nerves of his eyes. Long story short, he didn't really uh, respond well to what I had done, but I gave him CDs, he left. I was at another place, another time, in a car with his brother, his brother was on the phone, this would be many years later, five years later, and he was on the phone with that guy, the blind guy. And he got off the phone and said, that was my brother. And I said, oh, man, how's he doing? He said, he's wrapping a, a basketball game right now. I, I, I said, wait, I said, your brother, that, the one that I talked to, is wrapping a basketball game? Yeah. I said, we have refs like that in Iowa. Amen? I said, is there an association? Because I think we got them. And he said, no. What happened was he finally came to see him. But once he forgave his wife, and uh, here's just the beauty of it all, folks. As soon as he began to forgive her, his eyesight came back. So he's in driver's license. Got his, he's coaching basketball for Christian schools. And more beautiful than that, it was just, and that's been many, many years ago. I'm talking many years ago. And just the other day, I was in my office, and a couple and some small children came in our church, and they were driving through. And they said, we want to stop by and meet you. And I said, well, I don't think I've ever met you. What, what's, what do you need? They said, well, you helped my dad. He was blind, but now he sees. And we want to thank you. You know, there's a lot of this stuff that you're, you're bringing on yourself when you lose the battle in your mind. Paralyzed, paralysis. I don't have time to tell you about different situations of people in wheelchairs that literally push their wheelchairs out of our offices 
when they came in, they were in a wheelchair, paralyzed, uh, bitter because of uh, one was a fiance, had uh, ran off the night before the wedding. She ran off with the best man right before the wedding. He did not know it. Next morning, he got up, get ready for the wedding, and they couldn't find her. And he got so bitter and so angry and so mad that the bitterness began to take the life out of his spine. And he began to forgive her. And here's what we did. We said, aren't you glad God was good enough to reveal to you that she was that type of girl before you said, I do? And he says, oh, my goodness, God saved me, really, from a terrible situation. And once he began to praise the Lord, the bitterness began to release in his spine. He's okay today. Uh, high blood pressure. Not all high blood pressure. Some of it's hereditary. But I know that high blood pressure can be a result of losing the battle of the mind. Uh, muscle spasms, heart troubles. Um, uh, let's see. Well, let's, let's show you some scriptures here, okay? Uh, osteoporosis, which is the softening of the bones. We, you've heard that word, haven't you? Well, the Bible says this, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. In other words, when you lose the battle, when you discontent in your mind, then envy sets in, and it literally softens your bones. Is that crazy or what? Huh? And then uh, we see medications can be given to treat heart disease. However, both the scripture and medical textbooks identify fear and anxiety as the primary cause of coronary artery disease and heart attacks. Jesus made it clear in, th in this. He said, men's hearts failing them for fear. And when you allow fear, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. Are you okay? Everybody okay? You learning something? Okay. Listen, you can take care of yourself a whole lot better than what you think you could. And our mind is this. If I go out and run 15 miles or 10 miles or 5 miles, or, or I run every morning. I run from the bed to the restroom. That's I, just, I do every morning. I do one sit-up in the morning. I sit up in bed and... And then I lift 185 pounds. That's my body getting it out of bed, okay? I'm a real athletic guy, okay? My point is, is this. My son gets up at 4.10 every morning and goes to the gym. And he does his quiet time, his prayer time, then he goes to the gym and works out and trains other men in fitness. And I'm glad he's like that, okay? That's not me, Okay? But here, here's the point, is a lot of our sickness is not because of lack. Exercise is good. Bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is the best. Amen? Now, your emotions, uh, I don't have a whole lot of time to develop this, but you remember the story in the Bible, Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times should we forgive somebody? Remember that? He said, seven times. Jesus, seven times. Now, the law said three. He said, seven. Peter was stretching it, trying to be really spiritual. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. That's 490 times. That doesn't mean you're supposed to get a clipboard and walk around your house and you go to your wife and say, you know, honey, I just hate it for you, but you know, right now you're at 489. And one more time, I just can't forgive you after that, you know. So uh, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about that you should give forgiveness all the time. Amen? So the story in the parable was that this man owed another man $200 million. And this rich man came to him to collect his debt, and he didn't have it. He's going to throw him and his children and wife in jail. 
He said, please, please, I'll pay you. And the Bible says he forgave him of all of his debt. Then he ran out and grabbed a guy by the throat in the street that owed him $17. And he threw him in prison for that. And the rich man that had forgiven him of $200 million heard about that and came to him and said this. And his Lord was wroth and turned him over to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And so that's verse 34. And 35 says this, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your heart forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. In other words, this is, who is it that turns you over to tormentors? I mean, you don't forgive. God the Father. See, God the Father will turn his own children over to emotional tormentors to get you to come to the place where you understand you got to forgive. Because when you say, I'm not going to forgive another human being for what they've done to me, but you expect God, a holy God, to forgive you, what you're saying is, my standard of forgiveness is higher than yours. And your son's blood is not sufficient for me to forgive them, although it's sufficient for you to forgive me. And that's an offense to God and the crucifixion of his son. So when it comes to forgiveness, we've got to let them all go. Tormentors, they are emotions that are released as a result of losing the battle over the strongholds, imaginations, false knowledge that's exalted in your mind, and thoughts that have never been taken into captivity. Remember this statement. We're about done, okay? The enemy never plays fair, and he always picks on the weak and the wounded. Did you hear what I just said? In other words, he never plays fair. If you have a wound, if you have a wound, maybe an emotional wound from somebody doing something to you from the past, Satan will pick at that and keep that wound open. You need to get, take care of that and forgive all your offenders. Amen? He picks on children. He picks on elderly people a lot. He never plays fair. Okay? Now, <coughs> excuse me. We have a violation filter here, and watch how this works. This will be my last slide. As we begin to have offenses in our life and feelings of rejection, and that violation filter collects all that unforgiveness and bitterness and rejection and offenses inside that filter, and when we run life's events through that again, it's coming out the other side in a false reality and a wrong perception about life. Okay, does that make sense? Give you an example. I was preaching this down in Ohio, and I was, when I was preaching, this elderly lady was in the back, had the invitation. She came forward. My kids from my home were singing that night. She came forward, and she was probably one of the most godly ladies that you ever met in your life. Her Bible was all marked up, and she's just one of them ladies you knew she was a prayer warrior. And she's down there praying, and it got done with the service. She didn't get up. She stayed there, and I had to close it out. And we're giving testimonies all over the auditorium about what God's done in people's lives. And she stood up and she said, can I give a testimony? I said, yes. She said to me, she said, when I was a little girl, she said, my brothers did something to me that was inappropriate. You just, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, it was immoral. And, and, and she said, I got so mad at them. And then when I got older, my cousins. And then when I got older, an uncle. And then in high school, I, I began to date and and seemed like that's the stuff that would always happen to me and and then I went to college and it happened to me there and here's what she said she said I said to myself with all this rejection 
and offenses and negative things in her life all stuck in her violation filter, and she had a false reality about men and a wrong perception about men in marriage. And guess what? She was 93 years old in that church that night, and guess what? She never got married. And she, here's what she said in front of everybody. When I die, I'm the last living person in my family. Because I never forgave those people, it robbed me of having children like the children he had stand up there and sing. And I could have had a heritage, but God robbed me of my heritage. Do you see what I'm saying? Give the wrong perception about life. And so, these violations, it, it will build against God, others, and against yourself. A case against you. And I encourage you tonight to make all things right with the Lord. Amen? Well, this has been a good week for us. A good week for us. I could talk for another hour. You wouldn't want me to, but I, it's, you've done well. You've An hour and, and almost 30 minutes you've listened to me talk. I'm thankful for your, your attention. Uh, these things work. These things work. I'm not talking about something that I, I made up. I'm talking about these things have worked a thousand times in almost every country I go to. Been to Ghana. Been to Mexico. Been to, throughout all the Caribbean islands. Been to, going to Peru here real soon to do a spiritual warfare conference. <coughs> the Philippines. <clears throat> people get help. And you can do this. You can take this material and help people get help. Let's pray together, okay? I feel like the Lord 